Welcome to All Things Erie from Erie PA. This is Kathy and I'm your host for today's episode. But before we get started, let's go over some housekeeping reminders. As always, if this is your first time listening, please go to any of the platforms and download the previous episode. We're on podbean.com, Facebook, iTunes, and Spotify. I know there's a lot of other platforms that you can pick up the episodes from. Those are automatically sent out on Podbean. So by all means, if there's other platforms that you're getting them from, please, by all means, still continue to get them. Also, please feel free to rate our podcast and on the platforms. If you have a question, I really love to hear from you. We also are on Instagram. It's as Kathy, Kathy, B-R-D-L-Y, and Twitter as all things Erie from Erie PA. That's Erie with three E's. And you can leave comments on Podbean as well as Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. I, like I said, I'd really like to hear from you guys. It'd be really great. So I don't know if you guys have gotten a lot of snow or not. Me personally, I think the groundhog lied. We were doing really good there for a while. The sun might have been deceptive, but hey, there was sunshine. But we got snow. So we woke up. Friday, Thursday, Friday, with a lot of snow. I mean, it was just absolutely poopy out. And I think it snowed all Saturday morning. There were just places you could not get to. Talk about not plowing the roads. You always have certain sections of the city that plow and then don't plow. And you can always tell where those sections stop at. And you just sit there and you wonder, why? How, how can one section just stop right there? And you, I mean, there was like five inches of slush on the road. And it's like that line is right there. And on the other line, there's no snow. It was just an absolute mess on Saturday. But anyways, enough of my complaining about snow. I'm just ready for spring. I really am. I am not an outside person in the snow time. I really am not. And I, I just don't breathe well in the, in the cold. I never have. It's just me. Anyways, we've had a couple new listener, listeners and, and some folks that have returned. I greatly appreciate it. I really do. Like I said, please feel free to rate our podcast or leave a message just to say, hey. So let's jump on in. This is actually episode 20. I mean, how cool is that? I've actually had a couple people that have given me some feedback on it. A a friend from high school, which thank you so much. I really appreciate that because you don't know how you're doing until somebody tells you. And I really would love to hear some feedback. I don't know if I'm just rambling. I know I'm rambling right now, but I don't know about the other parts, like the meat of the podcast. So like I said, let's jump into this week's episode. And it's about the cold cases that have been going on in Meadville. And there's several of them. Now this first one, this one goes back to 
all the way back to 1981, which Meadville itself, it's a 30-minute drive south from the city of Erie. If you take 79 straight down from Erie, Meadville, excuse me, itself has branched off like small little towns. And those towns are spread out. Your neighbor can be pretty far out, which, and these towns can be very country, very rural. And which it's very beautiful, very, very, very beautiful down that way. Now, like I said, this case itself is the longest standing investigation. It goes back to January 7th, 1981, when Lenona Ray Rogers, who was 28 at the time, was reported missing from a residence near the, now this was near the inter intersections of routes 98 and 198 in Hayfield Township. Like I said, these are smaller sections that have branched off from Meadville. Now, when I first read about this case, I have to admit the first thought that came to my mind was, did Chris Watts get his inspiration from this when he killed his wife and two little girls? And I'm not trying to be sarcastic much, but I want you to listen to this and then you make your decision and see what you think. Now, these are according to the articles that I read these articles and then I took that information and I pieced it together. And these are the details of the disappearance. Now, Rogers was last seen at her home on Route 98 in the Littles Corner area of Hayfield Township, Pennsylvania, which is 10 miles northwest of Meadville on the evening of January 7, 1981, where her and her husband got into an argument that evening. Nothing strange about that. People get into arguments all the time. Later that night, the husband woke up and realized Rogers was not in bed with him. So he assumed that she was asleep on the couch. Again, nothing uncommon. I sleep on the couch sometime when I've fallen asleep watching TV. Nothing uncommon about that. When Rogers husband woke up the following morning, however, he realized that she wasn't in the house at all. Okay, that happens when there's arguments. Sometimes the other person needs to go and cool off, depending on what the argument was about. But here's the, here's the kicker. Rogers left behind her hearing aid, eyeglasses, medication, her car, and other personal items. She also had two small children with her husband. The evening she went missing, there was a severe snowstorm, almost blizzard-like conditions. With being almost completely deaf, and sometimes deaf people can't speak fluently, which is what happened with Rogers, when she disappeared from Hayfield Township near those routes, you know, th that makes a huge, huge difference. Now, remember, I'm comparing this to the Chris Watts case, because if you remember, his wife had come back from a trip and he was supposedly at work 
and she had a meeting the following morning that she missed. And when the friend came to find her, they did a welfare check or whatever. And then he came, Chris Watts came home. Her purse was there, her credit cards, her money, her car. The girls were not there. Now the kids were here, but everything else personal was left in the house. Same thing with this case, everything that she needed. Now remember, she's deaf and she left her hearing aid and her glasses. So when someone's hearing impaired, a lot of times they need to watch that person's lips move to see what they're saying. So depending on how bad her eyesight is, you're taking away two senses and it's in the middle of a snowstorm. So let's keep, let's keep going. She left between two and 3 AM that day in the midst of a blizzard, according to the police reports, she is described as five feet, five inches tall, weighing 140 pounds with long sandy brown hair and gray eyes. Now, the only thing that she was described as wearing was a navy blue pea coat, blue jeans, and high brown boots when she left home in the middle of a blizzard without her hearing aid her, and her glasses. No heavy coat, no mittens, no gloves, no scarf, no hat, nothing. I want you to keep this in mind. Now, the couple had separated before in late 1980 when she had disappeared. Her husband initially did not report her as missing because he assumed she left on her own accord and would eventually return. But she's never been heard from again, however. Now, how long did she stay away that first time? Nothing was ever written down about how long she, she had left before. Was it a day? Was it two days? Was it a couple hours? You know, did she just go to family members and that family member contacted him and said, look, she's here. Just let it, just let it rest a little bit. Now, on top of this, Roger's husband is also deaf. Okay. He would understand what kind of issues she's having without having her hearing aid without having her glasses. That's very important for this person. And initial, initially, he cooperated at first. And I want, I want you to let that sink in at first. He's, he had been interviewed several times by police over the years, but he's never helped in locating her at all. And this was a quote by the state trooper who's handling the case. And there's never been any activity on Roger's social security number since she disappeared. And there's little evidence available in her disappearance. So it remains unsolved. And this particular case has been profiled at uh, the Pennsylvania State Police statewide criminal analysis meeting. So the Every year, this is something that is gone over with fresh eyes every year. Hopefully, somebody's going to take a fresh look at this and go, okay, wait a minute. This is just like this particular case. How are we not looking at the husband? 
And like I said, does this case not sound familiar? There's no way someone with this kind of needs would leave it all behind and walk out into a blizzard with just a pea coat, blue jeans, and boots, especially someone who grew up from around here that would know what to expect during a storm, argument or not, I don't care. That would just be asking to die from hypothermia because they get it gets cold up here, especially during a blizzard. I mean, you get disoriented, you have you have exposure to skin and it just takes a couple of minutes to get disoriented and you could think that you're going towards the road and you could be he heading out towards a field. Now, I have to admit, I spoke to a friend of mine that who is partially deaf and I asked her about this case and what she thought about what was left behind. And, and this is her reply. And I typed it word by word for word. And here's what she said. I sleep without my hearing aid most nights. So the first thing I do when I open my eyes is put them in. There's no way in hell I'd leave my room, let alone my house without them. You depend on all your senses when you, when one of them is gone, you depend on that one thing that is close to having it to leave your house without it is scary. And then you're using your eyes to constantly look at everything around you. So you can be at least aware of what is going on. And that is stressful. Now I have to say that my friend, this is me speaking. Now I have to say my friend believes that someone that someone who didn't know she was deaf took her and quickly rushed her out the door or at least someone who didn't know her routine of taking out her hearing aids just grabbed a couple of her things and left and she believes that the husband is carrying around a lot of guilt because he didn't hear her being taken but add in the factor of them fighting that particular night i is he just the most unluckiest man in the world or did he just have enough of the arguing? Did she threaten to leave again, but this time did she threaten to take the kids with her? This is something that we're not going to know. If you have any information, and I, I'm going to give you the uh, state police number at the end of this podcast, because all of these are linked to the Meadville State Police barracks down there, I will give you the number for that. But the trooper that's assigned to the case for this one is Trooper Windmere. So we're going to move on to the next case. And there are a few, there's a couple cases in here. I, I want to say the next three, they are basic blurbs because they have been sealed. So they, they released just the basics this one happened in on may 16 1996 <clears throat> and the person's name was john cranack he was 64 and was found shot to death in the woods behind his wayne township home his death was ruled a homicide due to a gunshot wound to the head but no one's ever been charged and according to the newspaper articles the weapon's never been found nothing's been linked to that to that weapon this was the start of the following cases if they're connected nothing's been noted to that's been stated later on i can only i can only speculate 
and I really don't want to because that's not okay. And that's just starts a conspiracy theory for, for these. And I don't want to do that. These are older people. As I said, this gentleman was 64. If they're targeting them because they're easier control, they had a gun. They are going to do what you want anyways. So, and I'm not saying that it's okay to murder younger people, but these are elderly people. What they, if they tried to take something, it doesn't say, like I said, these are basic blurbs. And these are just the cold cases that are happening down there. So, like I said, basic blurbs for these next few ones. On to the next case on May 5th. 1997 if you see the the next pattern a year almost a year later clara kenvin she was 76 she was found dead in her hayfield township home on route 6 and 19 midway between cambridge springs and sagertown now if you have any idea about these areas cambridge springs and sagertown they're way out there and it's spread out now the towns themselves, they're, they're little towns, very pretty towns, very super small. And if you get on the outskirts of them, once you start getting past that, it's country. I mean, it's country. It's like even more country than what I grew up in. They were, back to Clara, the state police who were called after the U.S. Postal person that services that area, he noticed the mail piling up at her home. Now, the records in this case were sealed, and no official ruling on the death has ever been released. Like I said, I searched and I searched and I searched for this. Crime stoppers who described the incidents as an unsolved homicide were also offering a cash reward for information leading to an arrest in Ken Vin's case. I mean, this is a little old lady. Who's mean enough to kill a little old lady who's basically probably just, you know, going about her daily business? The fact that she was home alone and had been in her home for days until the postman noticed that her mail was piling up. And she, and that's when he checked. I mean, think about that. Nobody had been checking on her for days. How sad is that? She's, she was 76 years old. Nobody had heard from her in days. And the person that found her was the postman. I mean, that, that's someone's grandma. That's someone's mom. That's someone's auntie. Always check on them. I, it does, it, all it takes is a phone call. And if you don't hear from them in like, a day you go looking on them if you're able to this is sad she laid there for days i mean come on the only thing that like i said the only thing that's in here because they sealed the records is a little blurb about her laying in her home for days because some monster broke into her home and killed her now the next one, the next case, Kenvin was in 1997. 
So this is six years later. On February 25th, 2003, Frank Michael Brawley, he was 51, was found dead in his Meadville apartment. An incomplete quadriplegic with partial use of his hands, Brawley had been thrown out of his wheelchair, beaten and trapped behind a barricade. Now these are multiple attackers, then disabled the apartment's heating system and opened the windows, causing Brawley to die of hypothermia. His death, which was ruled a homicide, is still an open investigation, according to Meadville Police Department. For someone to do this is pretty flippin' low. You threw the man out of his wheelchair and beat the man within an inch of his life. Then you open the window to let him die of hypothermia. That's just cold. And no, that was no pun intended. Now, this could have been done for two different reasons. One, to make him suffer and two, to mess with the time of death. The people that did this probably did it for two reasons. One, for to make him suffer, two, to mess with the time of death. Did they want him to die from hypothermia and or to mess with the time of death? How did they get these ideas? Do they watch crime shows to know about this? I mean, come on, I didn't know about any of this stuff until I started watching crime shows back in the day. All right, so our last one was back in 2005. So this is two years later. It was a 63-year-old Rossi was last seen alive on the evening of October 29, 2005, when he left the home of his his estranged wife, Anna Rossi, to watch his daughter and grandchildren hand out candy in the annual Meadville JC's Halloween Parade, which is a really huge deal down there. If you're up in this area, I only know this because someone I know goes down there. He loves it. He says it's a really fantastic time to take kids to. On the six-month anniversary of his disappearance, more than 75 relatives and friends gathered uh, in the Diamond Park for a candlelight vigil. Now, about 10 days had gone by. On May 7, 2006, a decomposed body was found by a resident of Union Township who had been walking along what is called French Creek. When they finally processed all the information, the body was identified as Rossi ending what is believed to be the longest-running missing persons case in Meadville. But because the discovery was found in Union Township and not in Meadville, the investigation uh, shifted from city police to Pennsylvania State Police. The Crawford County coroner ruled the death was a homicide resulting from blunt force trauma to the head and noted that there was evidence of trauma all over Rossi's body. So basically saying that he was beaten to death. Now, after a year, the, uh, the investigation is still going on because this article was written in 2007. I don't know if you were counting on your fingers or whatever. I know I had to count on my fingers to, to figure out, make sure the dates were correct. The six-month anniversary was at the end of April, and then his body was found 10 days later after that, which if anybody's familiar with the weather up here, that would have given time for the snow to completely melt and the ground to thaw some more. Even though it's warmer there than it is here in Erie, believe it or not, that 30-minute drive 
or more depending on where where that particular spot is actually makes a difference when you're talking about the weather could he have been placed somewhere else and his body was taken by the water some of that damage to his body was because of rocks or whatever or was his body dumped in that particular spot that i don't know because again they did not have any information in these cases i mean it was boom this is it this is all we're going to tell you no more no less so they just have these these cases listed and and you would think there would be more but there wasn't the most i found was on the rossi person and that was it so as far as i've researched there still hasn't been anyone charged in the above murders but if you or someone you know have any information please contact the pennsylvania state police in meadville at 814-332-6911 as always if you as always I, i'm a firm believer if you see something say something or if you know something just tell the police do it anonymously give them a tip whatever these people their family they need to be able to have some peace and let these people have some rest and that's 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 just my opinion you can take it for what it is i don't care anyways other than that that's what i have for the cold cases there isn't a lot they did not have a whole lot of information unfortunately but it makes you wonder about all of a sudden there's all these cold cases and then the last one is in 2005 and there hasn't been one since so you know they usually say if somebody stops doing something there's one of two things they've either moved or they're incarcerated so it makes you wonder who's been in jail since 2005 so that being said at this point we're going to move on again i want to thank people for listening we had a lot of downloads for the newlywed episode i don't know if it was because i was way more sarcastic in that one i could not help myself because of the scooby-doo reference that particular episode it was one of those ones of if you were a criminal and you broke in somewhere and you left your wallet some and you left your wallet behind i couldn't help it uh, i just it was just one of those cases one of those episodes this one i apologize if that's what you were expecting of a more sarcastic note i'm sure there's going to be more which would be the next one <laughs> that particular case uh, yeah, it'll probably be way more sarcastic. But on that note, I'm going to let you go and, and remind you, thank you again for listening. As always, if this is your first time listening, please go to any of the platforms and download the previous episodes. We're on podbean.com, Facebook, iTunes, Spotify. And please feel free to rate our podcast on the platform platforms or if you have a question i would love to hear from you we're also on instagram that one's as 
K-A-T-H-Y-B-R-D-L-Y, and Twitter as all things Erie from Erie PA. That's Erie with three E's. That's today's story. And this is Kathy. I am signing off.